0: The following is a sermon from Pastor David Salinas of Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure foundationorg Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our dear and powerful almighty Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who has made us conquerors, And then some. And then some. The word of God that we consider this morning, happy morning, is the final of our lessons from our series in Romans Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. And if there is any way to close out a series on Romans, it has got to be through Romans 8, 31 through 39. I'm going to start out saying something that maybe might surprise you in view of the devotion that we just had with our children. Fear can actually be a good thing sometimes, can't it? We call it a healthy thing and a thing of sanity. They have a a, a good and normal amount of fear to do something like, say, dumb, like, I don't know, maybe crawl over a gorilla exhibit at the local zoo and go up to Mr. Gorilla and try to pat him on the head and take a selfie, right? I mean, that would not be a good thing to do. And a good measure of fear is probably right for that. Or, or, or maybe, maybe when you're up on, on one of the, look, the subway stations up here at, at the top, it's a good thing to have a little bit of fear to walk right up to the very edge of that train tracks and then peek on over. But we were, of course, right that an excessive amount of fear, an abnormal fear, is a monster. It's a monster that can consume you and paralyze you and leave you utterly defeated because you don't then venture out into life and and lose the battles of life merely by getting your butt kicked by the enemy that you're facing, but but you lose the battle by not even having the courage to to stand up and face the bully in the very first place. And here's the thing, and, and it was already mentioned very beautifully here a little while ago. Basil King, the author of The Conquest of Fear, spoke the truth when he said, we are not sick all the time. And we are not engaged in sinful activities all the time. But we sure do fear something or someone all the time. Because God knows that. Because he knows the the defeats that we can face in our paralysis of fear, among all the reasons, but certainly that one, is why he inspired the Apostle Paul to pen down the verses of Romans 8, verses 31 through 39. And and I tell you this, this certainly belongs well within the scope of that gentle whisper, that still small voice that Elijah heard outside of the cave. But my goodness, this may be just about the most rousing, the most uplifting, the most soaring gentle voice and still small voice of God that you will ever hear. And my dear people, you can believe this. The still small voice of Romans 8, 31 through 39 is going to give us a big, huge victory for our faith. Let's close off this this chapter. Let's close off then our series in Romans on a really high note, basking and receiving once more the beautiful shout of victory that the Apostle Paul gives us in these verses. In Christ Jesus, you are completely victorious, and then some, and then some. Open up your worship folders and let's follow along with Romans 8.31-39. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, or any of that countless other things that we fear in life and that would defeat us. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, the worst, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Woo! Reading that is powerful, isn't it? What is the secret to overcoming any and every fear in life? To know one simple thing. That behind me roars a lion who is for me. If God is for you, and you know that, Whom, Lord, shall I fear? Because even the mightiest enemies are nothing but the little ants that are crawling over my kitchen sink, probably at this moment, (laughs) that I go home and and I kind of squish without even wanting to squish them, just kind of by wiping them off of my counter into the garbage. The most powerful storms and the raging waters that we would ever face in our life are nothing but, but like this clear, solid, smooth ground for the Almighty to just stomp his heels on the things that we most are afraid So if God is for you, who can be against you? And what have you to fear? But that means that that if is a big thing, isn't it? If God is for me, then who can stand against me? But I want to be sure that that is in fact the case. Because if he is for me, I may a host defy. But if he for whatever reason does not stand by my side, if the Lion of Judah does not roar behind me, just brushing away all of my enemies, then all of us have many reasons to be afraid. Then all we have is a reason to fear. So that if is a big thing, isn't it? I mean, that if is a huge thing, especially because as we walk through life, step by step, every single day, every single week, we always encounter those things that make us anxious. And you can tell me better than I can know in your own heart. And and you can come to me and and with tears in your eyes and with emotion in your heart, you can can tell me the very things that make you most afraid and the things that concern you and the things that are swamping you and and all of those enemies. And then there are countless other forces that, that you are not even aware of that are marshaled up against you. And all of us in our own ways have already faced those those defeats in our life from those forces that are against us and from those fears. We could all go to one of our local establishments, have a beer, throw our arms around each other and and counsel one another and comfort one another just by telling each other, you know what, I am so tired, I am sick and tired of this, I can't do this anymore, and I don't want to get up tomorrow, and I don't want to face whatever's coming my way. That if is a big thing, if God is for me. Well, this is the first of the rousing, beautiful, wonderful victories that our Lord has for you and that the Apostle pens down. Because when he says, if God is for us, who can stand against us? His if isn't really an if. It is not a term of uncertainty, but of certainty. He would, the Apostle Paul would be so happy if we would take his Greek that the Holy Spirit inspired him to write and we would translate it into our English this way. Since God is for me, who can be against me? God being for you, the Lion of Judah roaring for you is as much a given no more than the very opposition, no matter how big it is, that you are certain to face and that you are facing now in your own way and in your own time. And if you should ever doubt that you are completely victorious in Christ and then some because you are unopposable, because God is with you and God is for you, then then look at this next beautiful question that the Apostle Paul asks right on the heels of, of that verse 31. Verse 32 says it so beautifully. After telling us, if God is for us, who can be against us? He says, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. And here's the question. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? So do you see what the Apostle Paul is saying? What is he asking? What what, what is he wanting us to consider in this whole sphere of the certainty that God is for me? He's saying this. If God loves you and loves you this incredibly much, That he was willing not just to give, but to not spare his one and only son whom he loves with all his heart and with whom he is one in all of eternity. If he is not even willing to spare his son the stain of all of our guilt and the suffering of hell required for it, just to claim us as his own, just to make sure that you and I never suffer hell, just to make sure that you and I go to heaven. If God loves us this much, is it even possible that God would not therefore put everything, all things, including the things that oppose us, at our disposal and for our benefit to accomplish the goal for which He sacrificed so much, which is to get you to heaven. Right? It's impossible for for God to sacrifice so much just to call you His, to have you be called one of His children and, and to take you to heaven. And then abandon you here on the road to heaven to face all of your enemies without Him, that would, be as, that would be as crazy as a millionaire spending gobs of money on, on a brand new Ferrari and then leaving it on the side of the road because he doesn't have enough money to, or, or can't afford the gas to drive it away. It's ridiculous. Do you see now how you are completely victorious in Jesus and then some? You are unopposable. God gave you his son. That means he is for you you. That's no ifs, no ands, and no buts about it. And this is the victorious life then that I want you all to live in the wake of that truth. Are you ready? So I want you to think about your toughest day in the office. I mean, when you have your just worst day in life, this is how I want you to face it with the certainty of what Paul has just mentioned here at the very opening of Romans 8, verse 31 and 32. Like King David did, like King David did on his worst day in his office. When, when King David was at the height of his, of his power as a king, he had all kinds of things against him. I mean, he was leading the most powerful nation in the world, and you can just imagine all of the problems that the people gave him. In addition, he had enemies that were marshalling up all around his borders to attack him. He even had like forces within his kingdom marshaled up against him. His own son was out to kill him. I mean, think about this. When you have your worst day, does your children or somebody that you love, are they out to kill you? But this man was. And and, and when he had all of these forces pressing down against him, you know what he did? And Psalm 18 is your proof that he did it. He looked up to the God, the lion that stood behind him, this mighty God that was for him. And he stood up and, and he charged at the forces against him defiantly. And he said, no, you will not beat me. You will not beat me because God is for me. He is my rock, so I get to be weak. He is my fortress, so I am safe and sound. He is my my deliverer, so I am and I will be rescued from from everything, from the worst, even from myself, that I need rescue from from most of all sometimes. He He is the horn of my salvation, and I love that term the horn of my salvation because that means I get to kind of strap this beautiful, holy, like rhino horn on the top of my head, bury my head down with the gospel and charge at those gates of hell and they cannot stand against me and they will not prevail. That's how I want you to live your life in the victory that is yours. You're unopposable. But there is something we do need to mention about this victory, the thing that founds it all, the basis for the certainty that God is for me, it's forgiveness. If you and I do not have forgiveness, then we cannot have a God who is for us, only a God who is against us. If we do not have forgiveness, if there's no such thing as this thing called forgiveness from the heart of God, then then everything separates us from the love of God, by very definition. If we do not have forgiveness, all we can do is, is muddle around our life with this dark terror in the back of our heads. So case in point, a high school senior was invited to a youth Bible study at a local church by a friend. And And after the Bible study, the pastor asked, does anybody have any questions? And she raised her hand and and said yes. And she asked a question that a lot of people ask, and I'm sure they ask it for the reason that she did. You'll see what I mean in a second. She said, Pastor, if God loves people so much like you say in his word, then then how can he send anybody to hell? And and so the pastor gave, gave a response. She wasn't buying it, and so she retorted. And the pastor, not wanting to kind of lose, you know, his ground, retorted back, and the whole thing just degenerated into a, a fighting match, an argument, right, a debate match. Afterward, the pastor felt bad, and, and he went up to the young lady, and he apologized and said, you know what, I, I shouldn't have let our discussion degenerate into such a combative debate. Here's what I really want to share with you. Look, we're all sinful people, and we all do bad things, and we all, we all live in ways that we regret, but, but Christ Jesus came for people just such as us. And at that moment, like, the tears started to flow. And this young girl confessed, Pastor, I'm having an affair with a married man. And so so the burden that this young lady was carrying all this time was just crushing her. And she was afraid, and she wasn't denying hell because she didn't believe in hell, but because, because it was real, and she was going there, and she knew it, and she just needed to be forgiven to be able to stand before God and and, and not cower away, but but be welcomed by a smiling face. And we all know that because in our own ways, we all, even as Christian people, we carry the burden of guilt. Our our own memories can haunt us of the things that we have done in the past. Sometimes, you know what I think is the worst guilt that we carry? The the guilt of insufficiency. You know, all all of the ways in which we feel just that we don't measure up and that we're not quite enough. We don't meet the standards and, and the expectations that we have for ourselves. We may not meet the standards or expectations that our parents or others have for us. Certainly, we, we fear that we don't even meet God's expectations and the standards that He has set for us. Just the other day, just the other day, I, I was just thinking, and this was a while ago, and just kinda, I just kind of—I don't know what it was that triggered it for me—but I, I was thinking about how a, a dear member of mine from my first congregation had passed away, and she really loved us and, and gave us furniture, and, and I. I meant to, but I never took the time to write a Facebook post to her grandson who had posted this beautiful letter, and, and, and I felt so terrible about not, not doing that. I felt the insufficiency of not being good enough, and, and we all know what that guilt is like, and we can be afraid, especially as the devil lives true to his name. You know what devil means, right, Diabalo? Diabalo means lover thrower or tosser and and so the devil is there before God's courtroom loving and tossing accusation after accusation trying to condemn us but here is where we have this rousing victory that is a victory among victories verses 33 and 34 the questions that Paul asks here who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen It is God who justifies. Who who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. You know, you you may have a hard time forgiving yourself. Other people may have a hard time forgiving you or, or at least have a hard time putting away the anger and disappointment that they they might have at you for not meeting up the expectations. The devil certainly doesn't want to forgive you. He's only out to condemn you. You know what I say to that? Pardon my French. But who cares? Because the highest court in the land has already issued the verdict. I find you not guilty by reason of my dear son, Jesus. Who can condemn you there is only one who can condemn you. That's the answer. Christ Jesus. And he is chosen, the only one in the whole universe who can condemn you, has chosen to look out to the universe and say, put down your stones. And he is the one to save you from your condemnation by choosing to go and die for you, to take away all of your sin and all of your insufficiency and rise for you, to assure you, to guarantee you that, that, that you are clean and you are beautiful and you are perfect in him, Just to stand right now at God's own right hand and with the nail scars in his hands and feet, argue your, your, your case victoriously before God's court. You no, know they are innocent. They are pure and holy in me. And so let every creature on the face of this earth rise up like one man to condemn us. The creator, your creator, your redeemer, your sanctifier has said, I forgive you. This is the rousing victory that you have. There's a word for this. It's called unimpeachable, guiltless, flawless, faultless. That is what you are in Jesus. You are more than victorious. You are victorious and then some. This is how I want you to live your life, in the victory of that truth. Are you ready? When the devil rises up to try to condemn you and your own conscience is weighing and being terrified, your repentant heart being beaten up and beaten up by by all kinds of things... You tell the devil, and you tell your wicked conscience that wants to crush you, to hell with you. I am innocent. I am guiltless and faultless through the blood of the Lamb, and I will not be taken down. And when somebody, whether well-meaning or intentional, tries to lay a guilt trip on you to kind of coerce you into doing something for them or, or acting in some way, you tell them no, respectfully, but no. I, I'm sorry, you're wrong for, for making me feel guilty. You're not gonna, I'm not going to allow myself to be manipulated by guilt. I'm not going to dishonor the holy verdict of the Most High God. I am innocent, I am free, I am unimpeachable. What I do now, I do out of a free heart because I love you and I care for you but I am not going to let guilt rule my life and be afraid. That's how you live victorious. Well, we're coming to the last stretch, guys. And this is kind of bittersweet for me. I'm sure it is even for Pastor Tim here. This is it. This is how our, 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 our whole thing is going to close out. This final stretch on this victory lap of Christ. And it is this beautiful question that, 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 that Paul asks It's a question of such practical importance because it's what's going to enable us to live through life with a measure of peace and joy no matter what happens. The question that he asks there in verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? What's the answer? Who's going to do it? Who is strong enough And who is mighty enough to pry the fingers of the Almighty when He has them around you safe and sound? What's the answer? Say it out loud. Okay. No one. No one can separate me from the love of God, and this is what Paul wants us to be assured. Sometimes we will feel we will feel far away from God. Sometimes we wish we'll have a greater passion for the Lord than we do, and we'll look at somebody else and say, "Wow, I wish I wish I loved Jesus like like they do." But you know what? We got to be careful that we don't misread this this passage. That this passage isn't saying that that we will we will never be separated from our love from God, but that His love will will not we will not be separated from His love for us. His love for us is what holds us fast. His eternal love that spans across the chasm of eternity has already wrapped its arms around you and held you and holds you tight in the palm of its pierced hand. And this is what Jesus meant when he said in John 8, and 29, I know my sheep, they know me, and nothing and no one can snatch them out of my hand. Nothing and no one can snatch them out of my hand. And then Paul Paul, to, to just make that point abundantly clear, draws up a list of the, of the best of the worst. I mean, this is the worst that can happen to you in your life. These are the worst things that, that could maybe, maybe be placed before you to say, I wonder if anything is going to snatch me out of, out of the palm of my hand. Trouble and hardship and persecution and nakedness and danger and sword. And Paul says, no, these cannot do that. In fact, according to, and Paul surely has in back of his mind that beautiful verse that he penned that we talked about last week, in all things God works for the good of those who love Him. Even these things must work to draw us closer to the love of God because that is how Christ rules all things. And so Paul is so excited, he invents a word. On the spot, he comes up with this word, hypernikao, super conqueror. That is what you are, more than a conqueror and then some because everything in life, must serve for the purpose of getting you to the glory that God has prepared for you before the creation of the world in Christ Jesus, His Son, to to be able to live every single day to His glory. That is the victory, and everything must serve that. Everything must bow the knee before Christ and serve that point. And then in this rousing, last, Like like a defense attorney giving that last impassioned plea. The Apostle Paul, like he did in chapter 7, switches that pronoun and he goes to that first person pronoun. I am convinced. And when this man is convinced, you must remember that the Apostle Paul staked his very life on the very things that he was convinced of. And so he is just telling you, with every fire and fiber of his being, I am convinced. And then he draws these three circles of these extremes of areas in our life that that we hold near and dear, our existence, our time, our location. Neither death nor life, neither the present nor the future, neither height nor depth, nothing will separate you from the love of God. And, And then he thinks about the most powerful beings aside from God, angels and demons. These cannot separate you from the love of God. And then he thinks about the whole ball of creation. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. This is your victory, and this is how I want you to live it. Ready? Endure. Endure hardship in Christ. Love God better than you ever have. Give him a big squeeze and a hug, holding on to the one who holds you by trusting and hearing and obeying his word better than you ever have. Replicate and imitate the love of Christ in your own life, letting nobody be separated from your love for them in Christ. That's it. <laughs> Victory. As I, as I think about this and just want to kind of an interesting thought came to mind, an interesting vision. The Lion King. <laughs> and then one scene in the Lion King, where, where little like little Simba, or yeah, he's yeah, little Simba, the cub. He's got all these hyenas, you know, just encircling him. And and he's gonna get ready to defend himself against them, and he wants to let out this little cub roar. But then behind him, like this, this big roar, and of course it's his dad who's standing behind him, and little Simba has this complete victory, doesn't? Because all the kindness scurry away. The Lion of Judah. He roars. For you. Be afraid of nothing. You are unopposable. You are unimpeachable, and you are inseparable from the love of Christ. Now go out and live as the super-conquering sheep in Jesus that you are. Amen.